Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. Feel free to read along or just close your eyes and listen. Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of fruit, the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest anyone who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Okay. So we'll go ahead and get started. So what we're doing, we, we won't continue to do an introduction every time we do this, but just to give you a reminder of what we're doing right now here at Wyndham Baptist Church, we just got through the study of Hebrews, where we really walked through the book of Hebrews, taking us about a year to do that. So what we're doing is we're kind of taking a step back in a sense and looking over the whole story of God using a different form. We're using the Word of God written in story. Um, so we're, so, so, so eh, I just did something there. That's, that, that's exactly what I did. So that's what we're going to be doing. We're mixing it up just a little bit. Uh, Pastor Josh did both stories last week. I'm going to do the first story this week, and then Josh is going to do the second one uh, to kind of get some different voices. But really, the real joy of doing this is being able to hear from all of you, because what we do is we ask questions. And we believe that the Spirit of God works as much through all of us as it does the person standing up front. So we're excited to hear from you. We're excited to hear what you see in the Word of God. Um, just a couple of ground rules in that sense. Number one, when you speak, speak up nice, loud, and clear. We do want to hear from you. We want to hear what you're saying. So don't mumble into the, the back of the seat in front of you. Really speak up. We are all family here. No one is going to pounce on you. So no reason to be 
shy or ashamed. And really, in a sense, as we answer these questions, just as we unfold who God is through the story, try to answer the questions from the perspective of only hearing what we've heard so far. And I'll do a little bit of a background just to get us started, and then we'll start fresh this morning. Okay? We, all, we good? We ready to go? And, and just remember, these, these stories aren't just someone writing down some ideas. This is straight from the Word of God, as we just heard Jeff read this morning. Um, my, my section is going to be from Genesis 4. But to give us a little background, last week, we saw that God created. He, first of all, created the angels. And, and, and what happened there? We saw that Satan convinced one-third of the angels to, to join forces with him. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to set himself above the throne of God because he didn't believe God, in a sense. So Satan is persuasive. He comes along and he says, hey, join me. And one-third of the angels do join him. And we learn that God will never allow sin to will never allow evil to remain in his presence. So God in his judgment casts out those third, casts them away from him, because that cannot remain in his presence. God then went on creating. He created the earth. He created the animals. He created all things, and he created man. We learn that humans were given the ability to choose, and ultimately they chose to disobey God and an attempt to manage right and wrong for themselves apart from God. We sung this morning that now we find our state, self in a state of lost and ruined by the fall. So at this point, man is lost and ruined by the fall. God, who will never allow evil to remain in his presence, casts out Adam and Eve from the garden. He sends them away. But there's something mind-boggling about God and his character. What we see intertwined in one being, we see judgment and grace working simultaneously. This isn't at one point where we see God loving, and at one side we see God as judgment. We see him working these things out together. So what does he do? He judges rightfully. He sends Adam and Eve out. But he also provides for them. He provides for them their clothing to cover their nakedness. And what we're going to see is God also continues to engage man. He doesn't just say, oh, I'm done with you. Really, what, what, what could he have done? He could have just wiped the whole thing out right there. Because really the rightful judgment was killing them. But that's not what he did. And so we're going to continue to see this story play out this morning. Let me ask one question before I get going, uh, because we want to make sure to, we have a lot to do this morning. We have the two sections of the story, and we also have communion. So we want to make sure to kind of keep going as well. Let me ask you this. What would have happened, this is when I kind of want to hear from you, what would have happened or what would God's character have been like if he told Adam and Eve, well, you know what? You just ate the fruit. I'm going to be fully graceful and just say, let's, let's call that one a neutral. And let's, now you know what you shouldn't be doing. So let's go ahead and, and I'll give you that one. Let's start over again. 
and I'll give you a chance one more time. And he didn't send them out. What would that tell you about God if he did that? Yeah. Yeah, so Anne-Marie said what, what he said about himself isn't true because he'd be, end up being wishy-washy and not following through what he also said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what Anne said. Yeah, would we trust a God like that? <laughs> People that don't know him would. Diane. Exactly. You'd have no idea really how to approach God. So maybe he'll do this. Maybe he'll do that. Who knows? No. Yeah. Absolutely no clear standard by which to kind of stand on. Yeah. Absolutely insecure. I see another hand, Tim. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I just wanted to, th- those are all absolutely right. We'll kind of kind of continue to move on. But just to show that God's judgment is just. And there is a point where he says, all right, enough. And I have to follow through with what I've said. Because he does have to be true. He does have to follow through with what he says. And we're going to see that he continues to do that. So here is the story of two brothers. And again, this is from Genesis 4. So I'll go ahead and read this. Just, just listen, soak, let it soak into you, and then, then we'll talk about it a little bit. After leaving the garden, Adam and Eve had two sons named Cain and Abel. When they grew up, Cain became a farmer and Abel became a shepherd. At harvest time, Cain brought to God a gift from his farm produce, while Abel brought several of the best lambs from his flock. God accepted Abel and his offering of the lambs, but he did not accept Cain and his offering. This made Cain very angry and very upset. Why are you so angry? God asked him. Why do you look so down? Won't you be accepted if you do what is right? But if you, if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at your door, waiting to attack and destroy you. And you must bring it under control. Later, Cain suggested to his brother Abel, let's go out into the fields. And while they were there, Cain attacked and killed his brother. This was the first murder described in the Bible. Afterward, God asked Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, Cain replied. Am I supposed to keep track of him wherever he goes? But God said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out from me from the ground. You are now banished from the ground. You have corrupted with your brother's blood. No longer will it produce abundant crops for you. 
no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless fugitive on the earth, constantly wandering from place to place. Cain replied to God, Your punishment is more than I can handle. You have removed me from my land and from your presence. You have made me a wandering fugitive. All who see me will try to kill me. God replied, No, they will not kill you. Anyone who tries to harm you, you will receive seven times your punishment. So God put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. Then Cain left God's presence and traveled to the land east of the garden. So there's our story of the two brothers. What we see at this point is really sin starting to spiral out of control. And it's just one step away from the parents of where it entered, and now we've got to murder in just one step. Let me ask this. Let's, let's kind of dissect this story just a little bit. The story says that God accepted Abel in his offering of the lambs, but he did not accept Cain in his offering. Why could we suppose that God did not accept Cain's offering, but he accepted Abel's? Josh, did you raise your hand? He did not raise his hands. Okay. <laughs> Diane. Other people, kind of out of those two things, what she said is either A, it wasn't the best, or B, it wasn't done right. Done right. Yes, Matt. Absolutely. We'll go to Sarah and then we'll... Yeah, absolutely. So with Cain, it was maybe just an afterthought. So for whatever reason, we know that Abel brought his very best and Cain just brought some. This will work. We'll kind of throw this out. We'll go through the motions. We'll go through the religion of this and just kind of slap this on the table and call it good. 
So we don't necessarily know what his heart was in entering that. Was it, A, he didn't care? Was it the religion? Was he, was he not trusting God so he was holding back the best for himself and just kind of going through the motions? Tim. Absolutely. No, you're, you're absolutely right. That whatever the reason, like Tim said, Cain knew how to turn that ship around. How did he know that? Yeah. Yeah, so he definitely knew God came to him and said, to be accepted, come back, do the right thing. Real, real quick, let me ask this. The Cain's sin was anger. What was maybe the sin under the sin? What maybe led Cain to that anger? Jealousy? Jealousy? Getting caught. Yeah. Josiah. He wanted to be the best. Yeah, and what, is, what does God say? He says, to be accepted, here's what you need to do. You will be accepted. So we know that Cain doesn't feel accepted for whatever reason. So he's, he's dealing with unacceptance. And isn't it interesting that it was Cain's own actions that brought him to that place? Yet now when, when God said, you know what? You didn't bring me the best. He's like, now I'm not accepted. I don't feel accepted anymore. God's not accepting what I'm doing. I mean, isn't that kind of ironic in that sense? That, that he doesn't bring his best. And then when he doesn't bring his best, God calls him on it. And then he's like, oh. Now it goes deep into his soul and, it, and he, he turns to anger instead. Why do you think then, following through, why do you think he kills his brother? Don? Yeah. Yeah. So so greed wrapped in that too. Yeah. So so really what he does, you're right, because of those those feelings he's having, he he gets rid of the only barrier to acceptance that he can think of, even though God told him what that barrier is. God says, Come back to me and do what's right. So what does he do? To get rid of that barrier, he, he kills the one who is accepted.
Was, was, was Cain sinning before God spoke to him? So, so let me, I, I guess what I'm, I'll, I'll ask the two questions together. Was Cain sinning before God spoke to him? So then why would he say sin is crouching at your door? Vicky. Okay. So looking around to the effect of the people around you. So I hand over there to Mark. Right. Isn't it great to know that we don't do that anymore? <laughs> Damn. It's, isn't it that call to repent? You know, you're, you're sinning, but repent, turn back, pull this plane up, you know. But, but Cain decides not to because we see that obviously in some sense he, he totally gave into that and gave into that anger. Um, Doug, we haven't heard from Doug yet. Yeah, in one movement, what he did is he took from God something that was only God's. God gave us the ability to reproduce. He didn't give us the ability to kill people. So what do we do? We step into the bounds of being God, at least Cain did, and said, all right, I'm going to be judge and jury right here and take him out. Matt. Yeah, because I, 
as you're saying that, I'm thinking through even my half joke before saying, isn't it good we don't do that anymore? <clears throat> I, I'm thinking of myself. I, I struggle with acceptance, making sure that I'm feeling accepted by people. So when I'm not feeling accepted, what do I do? I get mad at the people. So it's the exact same thing that Cain does. My heart says, man, they're the ones that are getting acceptance. They're the ones that are blamed because I'm so wonderful, even if I'm not doing the right things. Yeah, he went to Cain and engaged him and tried to get him off of that course he was in. I'm almost out of time. Obviously, with any of these stories, we could probably take hours and talk through them. But, but let me ask this, just as I wrap up and then we, we go with Josh and look at the flood. First of all, just a note that I know, is it an ironic Cain's reaction to God's judgment? God says, I'm going to cast you out because because we know that God will not allow sin to remain in his presence. So he sends Cain out. And what's Cain's reaction? That is just too much. They're going to kill me. So Cain reacts in the same way of what he just did. So let me ask two questions and then we'll, then I'll, then I'll hand it to Josh. What do we learn about man in this story? Not necessarily just Cain, but what do we just learn about mankind in the story? Josiah. Okay. Sinning. Yeah, man sins. Absolutely. Elisa. Yeah, we want to find our own way and, and we'll try to make that happen. Yeah. And, and then we'll go just right back. Yeah, so we have selfishness, self-centeredness. And you're right. No one has yet said, man, God, I just blew it. What do they do? They, they strike back. He did it. She did it. No, you know, that's too much. Yeah. Yep, exactly. It's, it's easy to sin. It's just easy to give in to that. Um, we'll go just the two more, the two hands over here. Yeah, God already knows. And, and the good news is through, um, 
reading Hannah's Bible at night, my daughter's, the, the Bible is called God's Rescue Plan. So we see, we're going to start seeing this motion that he knows, but there's already a plan. There was a hand over here. Exactly. Yeah, it has progressed, you know, on top of each other. One last question, and now, then I'll wrap this up. Let's just have like two answers to this. What do we learn about God? Yeah, okay. So he does love man. He's graceful. But at the same time, like you said, there's, there's a judgment with what he does. So there is a time when the rubber meets the road and he has to follow through and say, you know what? Since, sin will not allow, since I won't allow sin to remain in my presence, I'm going to have to send you out. Again, exact parallel of stories where God asks questions and man doesn't quite answer. Yeah, Mark? I think the second thing is, is it's amazing. We, we saw God send Adam and Eve out of the garden, and yet here's God talking to Cain. So God hasn't just given up on human beings and left the scene and walked away. I guess it's not the first thing I think of, but here's God actually talking. God is talking and protecting. And a good way to put it, and he's engaged with man. He hasn't just said, all right, done deal, you guys goofed up. But he continues to, to follow them and work with them. All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, just because of time, I'm going to pass it over to Josh, and we will go into the flood from here. I need that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm pretty loud, so you can probably lower that a little. Thanks. We're going to look at sinful humanity, but not two brothers. This time we're going to look at the flood. That's from Genesis 6 through 9, if you've read ahead. Um, But if not, be ready to hear God's story again. 
the number of humans on the earth was growing rapidly. And not only did sin spread from Adam and Eve to their sons, but also from generation to generation to generation. Even though humans were created in God's image, everyone, everyone chose to disobey God. They constantly acted out in violence against each other. God saw that people's thoughts were completely evil all the time. All the time. This grieved his heart and made him wish that he'd never created humans. So God decided to start over. He said, I will completely wipe out this human race that I've created. I'm sorry I ever made them. But there was one man. Noah. His name was Noah, and he found grace in the eyes of God. Noah had a close relationship with God and was the only blameless man living on earth at that time. So God said to Noah, I have decided to cover the earth with a flood, destroying everything alive. But I will give you a plan to keep you safe. God then told Noah to build a large ark giving him specific instructions about how big to make it and what it should be like. God said to him, make an ark from wood and seal it with tar inside and out. Then build many decks and stalls for animals inside of it. I promise to keep you safe, safe in this ark. Bring seven pairs of animals I've approved for sacrifices and one pair of each for the others. These animals will come to you to be kept alive. And remember, take enough food for your family and for all the animals. So Noah did everything that God said. Just as God said, the floods came. Waters burst from out of the earth. And rain poured from the sky. When the waters came, Noah and his family and all of the animals boarded the ark. That's a mix of Rhode Island and Maine accent all at once. As the waters rose, the ark floated safely on the surface. The flood covered even the smallest hills to the tallest mountains. All the living creatures on the earth were destroyed except for those on the ark. After 40 days, the rain stopped. Many months passed as the water slowly began to dry up, and for weeks, Noah sent out a dove to see if he could find any dry land. Finally, the dove returned with an olive leaf in its mouth. So Noah sent out the dove again. And when it didn't come back, he knew it was safe. It was safe to return to the land. As soon as Noah came off the ark, he built an altar, selected pure animals from every species, and sacrificed them to God as a symbol a symbol of thankfulness and worship. God was pleased with Noah's sacrifice. And God said, I will never again curse the earth, destroying all living things with a flood, even though people's thoughts and actions are bent toward evil from childhood. God blessed Noah and his sons, telling them to be fruitful and multiply, go and have many children, and once again fill the earth with people. 
Then God told Noah and his sons, I have put all animals under your control. You can use them for food. But you must never eat animals that are still with their lifeblood in them. And I will require the blood of anyone who takes another person's life. Life is in the blood, and all life belongs to me. God also said, as a symbol of my promise, I've hung a rainbow in the clouds. And when I see the rainbow, I will remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. It's a great story. Powerful in a lot of ways, isn't it? So let's think about it. Make sure we understand it and understand who God is in it. Why did God flood the earth and destroy everything? Why? Alvin? There's a lot right in there for sure. First of all is that he saw that their their minds, their thoughts, and their actions were sinful, evil, rebellious. Josiah. Yeah, he didn't want to see their sin, and he didn't want to see it keep increasing. Someone from the back rows, the, the, the bleacher section. When you're ready. What was, what do you think his reasons were? We're going to see if someone else will, will share too, but we'll come back. Don't you worry. Ivan. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because God did what? He started things again. But as he looked at the human heart and he looked at the way that they were living, they were living in such rebellion. Remember, sin is rebellion to God. It's not merely breaking rules. It's rebellion against God. And it's rampant. Great. Hmm. That is a horribly great insight. Because <laughs> it is. I mean, you think about the consequences of sin, it is death. God said that when we sin, we will die. We saw that in the story last week. Tim? Mm hmm. Sure. What are some that you gain from the story, at least? Hmm. We'll, we'll keep thinking about this story, and we'll see if there is a what what judgment in the future will look like, uh, Vicky, and then we'll. Go to the next question.
Good, good. We'll, we'll come back to even the starting over again because that's a huge part of the story, right? It doesn't just end with the flood. There's, there's something else after. Uh, we hit on something, too, about Noah starting, you know, if it weren't for Noah, we wouldn't be here. Yeah, sure, we all go back to Adam, but we go back to Noah, right? Um, what was it about Noah? Why were, why were they spared, Noah and his family? Hmm. It's an interesting way that Noah is talked about because he does he is described as blameless, right? You remember that word, but also there's another phrase that talks about nothing about his track record, whether his sin outweighed or not. It was a, a, a beautiful word. Do you remember the word Noah found blank in the eyes of God, favor or grace, and that's that's free. So there's a sense to which. There was a way that he was living that honored God, that blamelessness, but also that it was pure grace, a gift. Walking in his ways. Yep. Yeah. And and in you know, we, we get a statement at the beginning that how much of humanity is evil? All. So that includes Noah. And yet we do see in Noah obedience. What's his obedience look like? Martha. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I mean the first thing on on the after the flood was to offer thanks. Shows his heart is towards God. Yes, sir. That's a long time, isn't it? Yeah. That's great. Great insight. There's an endurance to this faith too. It's not you know, flash in the pan, quick decision of obedience. Felix. Yeah. Awesome. That is absolutely right. There's this this faith that we see ongoing in his life. What's the most obvious one that we're missing? What did Noah do that shows that he trusted and obeyed God? Phyllis? Yes, you raised your hand. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So what was the act of obedience that he did? He built an ark. Noah built an ark. Yeah. 
Yeah, and he did it based on what? Faith in what? It says in the story that God gave him specific directions. God spoke to him and told him what to do. He trusted and obeyed God's word. It's huge. And so what did Noah's obedience lead to? I've already alluded to it. What did it lead to? What's the result? Salvation. Worship for sure, but salvation of mankind and even us today. Trusting, do the math. Trusting God leads to what? Life. Rebelling against God leads to? Hmm. Why is it so tough? There's a lot of reasons why. So as we're, we're thinking about the world of Noah's day, we think about our day, do you see a lot of difference? Same difference? What do you, what do you see? What's that? We see wickedness all around. Any closer to home than just all around? In us? In ourselves, right? Because that's, that's it's easy to talk about others. But when we see the world, we see ourselves as part of that world. Alvin? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good word. God put the rainbow in the sky as a promise to not destroy the world by a flood again. We know that for sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 We don't know. Mm. That is a great, great thing to think about as we move forward in the story is that you know, as we compare Noah's world to our world, and hopefully when we're reading these stories and thinking through it, we're trying to imagine ourselves in it, right? It boils down to, will we too trust God? Will we choose life by trusting him? Will we recognize that? Now think about this. What do you see God's heart is like towards humans? What is God's heart like towards us as you, as you think about the story of the flood? Mike. So to speak. Yeah. 
right on. So you see a mingling of compassion and grace towards people who deserve judgment and yet also judgment as well. Grace and judgment working simultaneously. But not just as a divine attribute, but God is doing this in relationship with people. He, with names, real people that he's compassionate to and gracious to and judgment bringing to as well. Isn't there also one of the most unique pictures of God's heart in this? What was the internal dialogue discussion that God is having? And you can read it for Genesis 6. It's, this is not just a paraphrase. You see it in Scripture. What was God's heart towards humans when he looks at their rebellion? Sorry, grieved, regretful even. Wow. Don't we need to know and learn God's heart? We do. After the flood, after the judgment, we see that God spoke yet again, didn't he? He spoke to, to teach Noah and his family what? What did he speak to them about? What did he say? Yeah, multiply. Early Valentine's Day, right? It's okay, you can laugh. It's okay, God said it. Be fruitful and multiply. But why is that so important? To fill the earth with, with people who bear the image of God. So that God's image, though broken by the fall, can be imaged forth all over the world. And isn't it something that God spoke? He gave them directions on how to live. He was guiding them. He was being gracious to them. He was extending his word. What did God say about murder? What do you say about life? He had some specific words. Do you remember them? All life is his. Who, who's the mystery person that just spoke that? Pete, it's a good, good voice. I can hear you clear. All life is God's? What does that mean? Josiah? Everything is his. This is, this is very important to recognize that God is, God made it all. He owns it all, even us. Man. Sure. Good. That's, really, that's a good point, kind of distinguished, because God gives uh, uh, Noah and his family words about eating animals. you got to kill them to eat them. 
animals are okay to kill and eat. I love that verse. I do. But he also warns against killing humans because we go back to the story of God at the beginning and they are the only ones made in the image of God. So it shows the importance of God's purposes for us. Bruce. Amen. We're going we're gonna to just touch that point and wrap things up because we still want to celebrate the Lord's Supper together, meaningfully so, too. But I hope you, as a church, you heard the value of a lot of conversation today. There are so many commands in Scripture to speak the truth in love to one another. This is one of those occasions where you can learn not just from one of your elders, but from one another. And to think that God speaks to us. He gives us his word, and yet it doesn't include every detail. We wish all the details were there, but he speaks a good word that leads to life. So thank you for sharing that. As we think about what this teaches us about God, we see that God is powerful. He's in control of everything, all of creation. God will not allow evil to remain in his presence. He will do what is good and right and perfect. We see that the flood is confirmation that God will judge our sin and rebellion. It will not go on forever. It didn't then. It will not now. But we see that God is the source of all grace. Not just judgment. He's both. And as the source of all grace, we can look to Noah and we can see that so evidently. And we can pray to see it in our own lives too. And we see the huge importance, don't we, of trusting God's word to be saved, to be rescued, to trust his rescue plan, not ours. So as we take this story with us, and we do, because the story of God is not a story like a fairy tale. It is a story with authority over us to guide us and to bring us into obedience to walk in God's ways. How are we going to walk this out this week? Personally, individually, as, as, you're, as you stand before God, how will you walk this out? Think about that. Think about it now. Think about it in as the days ahead, but also let's just take a moment as a church. How does this story shape the way that we should walk in God's ways together? Alyssa. Mm. That's a great reminder as a community of faith, as God's people to find our acceptance in who God says we are. Can we be a people who encourage one another to do that when we see ourselves each other. Maybe we're having a con conversation over coffee or on the phone or on Facebook and we see that we're finding our identity in something else. We can come alongside of each other and encourage us to go towards God. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Let us be a worshipful community, not just on Sunday even, but every day. And let us encourage one another and even those around us to say, if you follow God's word, you will find life. But if you don't, there will be death, there will be destruction. And then we can show each other. Those of us who know Jesus and those of us in our, our life that don't, we have words of life, words of God. 
when you walk out today, uh, at the end of our gathered worship, there's uh, going to be some handouts. It's called Walking It Out, and I want you to take that with you. One per family would be great. Put it on your fridge. Talk this out. Learn to walk in God's ways together. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper, the bread and cup, 